Well, I'm here in Amsterdam. And you know, I don't think I've seen this, but I've been thinking about this a lot recently. What what does it what does it mean? What does it signify when you see one of these the kids walking around, you know, uh whatever it is, you know, people who are young, the youths, the youths, and they're wearing a Thrasher t shirt. What what is what how do I how do I take that in? How do I process that? Whew. So I, I just go with irony. Is that wrong? Is is <laughs> just make it simple oh yeah i mean there's a really you know there's a generation gap there probably yeah Um, well i I like i like i like brandon's answer because that gives us a baseline for what i think i could collectively call our generation which is basically like oh yeah they just think the world is shit and they're ironic (laughs) moving on (laughs) maybe they just shot the discount rank at hot topic oh hey hot take am i right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh dear um yeah because th- there was there was a phase in my life where i did wear thrasher t-shirts mm. uh i also wore t-shirts for you know other skateboarding companies and uh-huh. magazines because board and hmm i guess it was a uniform of sorts but, uh, well, and yeah, as as we know from our our uh, pre show uh, babbling, now that you're solidly in your mus- muesli days, no more Thrasher shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I no guess. Shirts. I guess. I mean, that would up the ante if you were over here in uh, Benelux, as they call it, uh-huh. and and you were at your uh, you're having some breakfast, and you looked over, and there was there was one of these 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 young people eating a bowl of muesli, and they were wearing a, a Thrasher t shirt. I don't know if I can handle that. I might just go full on Philip K. Dick and start worshiping a god in the sky or something. Like it would just, mm. it just would blow my mind. Well, hmm. I, so Brandon's answer, I think, wins. <laughs> <laughs> it's ironic. <laughs> they basically are not yeah. into wheels. So like this was, but you saw this in, in Europe, in, in Amsterdam. Is that where you're seeing this? Or I, you know, my, my memory's starting to run together, but I feel like I've seen it out and about. Because I realized, not to distract as I like to do, I realized that when I travel, I see people who are younger than me. And when I'm home, it's it's like a concave bell curve. When I'm home, I see people, namely my children, who are really younger than me. Uh, but then everyone else I see is about my same age. But when when, uh, when I travel and I'm out and about, the uh, the concave cup turns into a plate, and I see all these other people. So uh, I have to assume it's over here that I saw some wearing a Thrasher shirt because – well, the reason I don't know. I was asking is just like I don't know. Maybe in Europe it has it could be something different. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. It could be feels like it could be different over there. Yeah. Hmm. No. Hmm. No. no. What, what's going to happen is is you, eventually you're going to come over over to you know back to Asia again, and you're going to be at some tourist thing, and a busload of like Chinese tourists are going to get off, and two of them are going to wear Thrasher shirts. Oh man! Because <laughs> 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 I've seen this, and then a couple other will have shirts that say things like. Um, I don't care to you or you know be best that make no sense. Oh yeah. No context are just like English words thrown on the shirt. Oh man. And uh, you know that that's the rack they're shopping off of. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna call that Cote's uh, Kongi conundrum. Just uh-huh. blow my mind. Oh well, uh, you know on that note, I wanted to follow up. It's been a long time since we recorded, and uh, I've I've actually apologized to several people here at DevOps Days, uh, wherever I am, Amsterdam. That it's it's been a while, but I told them we were recording tonight, and uh, that seemed to fend them off. So I should probably publish this tonight. But the duffel bags, I think last time we had a whole bunch of duffel bag strategizing, yeah. and and it totally works. 
It's just like, boom, stick stuff in a duffel bag. I'll tell you what. We got to, if uh, you might remember, we bought these Samsonite duffel bags called tote a And the uh, the keen lawyer uh, in lawyers in the group, they uh, they would have read on the box, there's a small thing with an asterisk next to it that says, does not actually hold a ton. And I, I can only imagine the lawyer <laughs> meetings they had about that. They're the, we can ship this product, but we've got to change the packaging to note one thing. Now, what's interesting oh, is dear. is they didn't really disclaim about the toting, because if you do fill it with less than a ton, I wouldn't say that you can tote it. You more have to struggle with yeah. it. But anyhow, uh, we could pack these things, and they would come in at like 38 to 50 pounds. So it's uh, it's really hard to pack too much. And then uh, sure enough... You get executive platinum, and you can check three of those things, and you just, you just go to town. It's a great way to uh, transport things. So, you know, duffel bags. Look into that. Well, hey, listen, <laughs> I, I actually got some feedback on duffel bags. It's actually uh-huh. quite <laughs> one of the few topics people followed up with me on. So uh, <laughs> there was, uh, you, you know, a lot of interest in uh, the black hole, Kote, that you mentioned. Mm. But uh, – my brother, my brother actually was very interested in this. He ended up getting, and his recommendation is the North Face bag, uh, duffel. Mm. And the reason he he it's uh, I guess it's called the North Face base camp duffel. He got the large. Oh sure. He felt like his thing was, uh, uh, I guess it's like ninety five liters. So it's sort of like the sweet spot between the I guess it's like the ninety one hundred twenty liter uh, black hole. So I, I don't know. So just, you know, there's a lot of interest in duffel bags. So I wanted to throw that out there. If you're, if you're in, if you need that extra five liters, evidently <laughs> the North face has it. It's so, like a whole mountain in there. Check that out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but my point remains though, you're not buying for a nice duffel bag. You're, you're buying it in bulk. You're buying mm. 10 duffel bags so you can ship across. Yeah. yeah. The and planet, and, right? and to, to that point, one of the duffel bags had a small tear in it. So I'm a little concerned about that, but it, uh, it, it did its okay. job. Yeah. Yeah. The, these are these are cattle duffel bags. Not yeah, bags. I don't think if I had a four hundred dollar Patagonia uh, black hole bag, it would have gotten a rip in it. So no, I'm dissatisfied. But, but you would have bought you know, <laughs> ten of your bags for that price. Right? I feel I feel like I should have spent fifteen hundred dollars instead. <laughs> I've got gems. I will also, say, in the Slack yeah. channel, there was actually quite some some uh, duffel uh, uh, bag chatter as well that I think some people felt like that's really the way to go. I guess the small or the medium, mm. that's the preferred carry-on because it's super light. And I think yeah. I can't remember who who said it, but he said that he could actually get it underneath the seat in front of you so yeah. you don't have some uh, fancy status, right? So I don't, I don't know. I just feel like the whole duffel bag, single carry, it, it, yeah. there's definitely a segment of people out there that love it. I, I, didn't, I didn't know about that. So it's been yeah. interesting to, to hear the, the feedback this week. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I, I have a overnight duffel bag, but it's it's just for you know one night, two night trips. You know, so is the roller bag it. completely wrong? I still like it. I know. No, I, I, use your, I use it. I just like don't want to carry. I, it's, it's like okay, the, so it's the, all right. The duffel bags is a hassle to carry because it doesn't have wheels, and yeah, I'm gonna load it up with extra junk. It's more mm. than a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, now now that we've concluded the duffel bag analysis section, which which I uh, introduced myself, <laughs> but you know, it's always good to clear the decks with that. Get get all the stuff uh, at the front, put it in a duffel bag, check it, and you'll be fine. 
But uh, like, man, there's a, it has been a while, and and now someone organized the news, and it looks like there's been a lot of like uh, fundings and IPOs going around. It's very exciting. Our friends uh, up there in the Pacific Northwest, they they got themselves forty two millions of dollars. The uh, Puppet Labs, I think they're still called, right? Yep. From from a, a group of people, Cloudbees. Now, is this right? They raised sixty two million dollars. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. I mean, you got to build and automate your software. I I have always said that a build pipeline is critical to your success. So maybe uh, maybe there's something going on there. And then uh, Splunk acquired Victor Ops for 120 mm-hmm. million dollars. So I bet Victor's happy. That's good to hear. Yeah. And then and then I, I was talking with someone about this earlier, and I have not done my hey, research. I have not done my research then since then. But uh, I had no idea that Elastic was such a big company that they could IPO. So. Uh, People must use them a lot, huh? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, people like their their data is stored somewhere, and and you know they're willing to pay. They're willing to pay someone to support that. And and so so what do they? Uh, since it since it sounds like you actually know what they do, Matt Ray. What is it that oh, they yeah. do? <laughs> so Elastic. Yeah. Yeah. So Elastic, uh, they're the guys behind obviously uh, Elasticsearch. Um, they they. Uh, they manage what Kibana and uh, Logstash, Elasticsearch. You know everything in that Elk mm. stack is is coming from them. They've got those. Um, I'm sure they have some you know dashboards and and you know enterprise features that they they roll on top of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I, though, I think the investment bankers, right? I mean, if you're looking for how they're going to sell it, I think they just basically it's like Splunk, right? It's like, hey, just put all your log files and all this data in one place, and you can search it. So, I think they're trying to draw the comparison to being, you know, Splunk's I think around 15 billion market cap, and they want to be like a three million dollar market cap. So, I think that's how they'll sell it as they go out, right? It's like just throw all this stuff in there, and you can search it. It's really easy. Mm. So, basically, searching logs. That's what they're doing. <laughs> I think at the end, it always, I, it always, I, it always comes down to that, no matter what you're working on. But, but they would put a lot of words in front of that. Jesus, before yeah. They said I mean, that, before they got to that part, yeah, logs. You know, wow. they, they uh, yeah, logs, logs, and uh, and storing them and alerting on them, and uh-huh. you know, they got a SaaS version, yeah, they got some security stuff. So, you know, they're going after Splunk. You know, they yeah. probably started with you know. Elasticsearch is great for restoring everything, and then they're like, "Hey, Splunk makes a lot of money. Let's uh, let's go see what they're up to." Yeah, well, I think when in doubt, if you're any type of uh, if you're doing anything with log files, when in doubt, it's like, well, we can let you search it, and everyone's always like, "Yeah, we need that. We have no idea what's in this stuff." So that's always <laughs> that's always a good problem to be involved in. Like, yeah, we'll go ahead. Well, we need some way to search it. Great, thank you. Mm. Yeah, well, that'll be exciting. It, it, it's always fun. There, there's there's a lot more uh, companies going public in this sector, so that'll be nice to see what what happens with all of that. So, uh, yeah, I, th- th- there's, the there's DevOps stuff. Fresh I think is really interesting. I was gonna say what you said there. I mean, just it's. Uh, I was sort of shocked by how much money both uh, Puppet and obviously I don't know what their financials are, but putting aside some of the you know how many customers they have, <laughs> playing the old school. Uh, the old open source trick, right? Anyone who's ever downloaded this will quote you that number, which is obviously much higher than how many people have actually bought it. Um, right. I've been on that side now. We've all been on that side at some point in our mm-hmm. career. So I, I know yeah. where that comes from. But uh, but still, $42 million, 
and then the cloud bees, which I, I know I don't think they've this they've earlier around, so it's a little different. It's not apples to apples, but clearly these companies are showing like investors some kind of like reasonable revenue numbers to get this kind of money. I think you know at this level of money, like you you can't just completely fake it. Like you've got to have some actual booking. So uh, that was impressive, and I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a sign that it's just like kind of with both the IPOs that we just talk, talked about as well as these recent fundings, is it just stock market's really high, investors have a lot of money, they're pouring money into it, or is there like a lot, you know, is there like really quote, quote unquote new value being created here? Because that, I don't know, I mean, just Puppet, I just, because it's been around for a long time, and I don't know, just to put so much money in at this point, like to me, you would believe that they're like really have some real strong story about going public or being acquired in the next like two years, mm. which I don't know, I just feel like that's different than maybe what I would have guessed. Yeah, well, you know, this is the... Uh, if you look at the puppet stuff, the investors who have been invested, a lot of them were repeat investors. You know, Cisco's put in multiple times, so I don't know anything, but you know, that that means something, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's the logical conclusion. Is like, what well, does this mean? Cisco is going to buy them, but I know in other cases, not this one specifically, but Cisco is fond of putting putting money in these companies, and then it's like never never buying them. Um, yeah. Which which is maybe just a good strategy. Them, but it's just it's I don't know I just feel like just like I want to know more I guess I on both of these it's just like wow these are pretty I mean this amount of money means they're trying to usually in my opinion means that they really have sold a, a group of investors on like we need more money for sales and marketing like we're gonna quote unquote we're in the growth phase as people would like to say so like does it warrant it has there been like is there some something happening in the market that suddenly this is gonna grow like so much faster than it has been in the last year or two or is it just normal business as usual and then do, do, do y'all do, do y'all remember didn't didn't like HashiCorp get like corp get a big uh a funding round recently that was a large yep. chunk of money as well right yeah maybe uh, maybe maybe uh, this is just another one of those parts getting back to the thrasher t-shirt we just have to realize that uh you know the 40 million dollar round is the new one million dollar round that's just what you get off the, I, I like mean, the, these these are later rounds or whatever, but it does it is, uh, yeah. It, there's a, there's a lot of investing in that space, but it, it it'll be enjoyable to see the uh, to use to use a historic analogy, the sort of like uh, strategic result. Like for example, in everyone's favorite company, Docker, there was uh, there was many rounds of funding, and then finally they were like, ah, I got our strategy. We're gonna half your uh, VMware by seventy percent. Nice, clear, concise yeah. vision there. And uh, yeah, I mean that that that's a viable. That sounds great in a spreadsheet. So maybe it'll. It's always fun to see like after events like this, or a CEO is around, if there's a uh, a change in what's going on there. So you know, you got you got the you got the automation stuff up there in Portland going on, and then you got the uh, your build pipelines with the cloud bees. And uh, are they going to do more? Mm-hmm. Are they are they going to? put some uh, they're gonna have a kubernetes distribution or something i mean what's what's going on there both of them mm. are both of them also like you know the uh, as we've seen in certain other companies there's a logical extension from automating things to uh deploying it and managing it and making sure that it's all like running in the same area and all that kind of nonsense in a good way and so uh yeah eventually you're like oh we should have a build pipeline but then if you got to build pipeline you need the place that you run it in and who knows or maybe you're just like someone's gonna buy us soon. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it yeah. is interesting. Your uh, HashiCorp did raise uh, forty million in its last round, and of course, they are best known for Terraform, right? So, so you're right. I mean, I know it's sort of maybe just the going rate 
but it is it is funny to look at all these automation vendors and various things and then look at compare it to Splunk, who just bought the drops for just 120 million. So I guess it just goes to show you don't start monitoring companies, start automation companies. That would be, uh, you know, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. something's up there. Or, or maybe said the other way, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, everybody needs a, a monitoring company. So as long as you keep the price low, eventually someone will come by you. Because uh, Logic Monitor, I think, was one we talked about before, and Victor Ops are all kind of going. The going rate is like kind of like a hundred million for these companies. So mm. I guess they're doing something okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's definitely uh, there's always um, monitoring news, but uh, we did kind of touch on on some of the Docker stuff that came up. They they did have their big DockerCon uh, recently, right? Oh yeah, it's and been a long time since we was recorded. That Austin. Was it? No, it wasn't in Austin. Where was, was that? I, you know, not, not on my continent. No, it wasn't no, last no. Year. it's uh, I think California. Oh, okay. Think, right things are moving back to California. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rotating back. Yeah, everything's rotating out of Texas. Um, but yeah, uh, DockerCon they had their big uh, their big conference, and what was uh, was interesting from what I what I heard, I did not attend unfortunately. Uh, was that it was very uh, business oriented, right? Talking mm. about, um, you know, the apparently the numbers on the attendees, like more than half the attendees, it was their first DockerCon. Um, there weren't any, there weren't any big open source announcements. You know, that's one of the, you know, one of the things that it kind of like last year. <clears throat> last year was the the big, you know, Moby uh, announcement. Um, and you know, this year a lot of the early luminaries weren't there anymore, right? You know, no. No, no Solomon Hikes, no uh, uh, Jerome, uh, you know the other one, of the other founders. You know, it's it's kind of like, hey, we're we're all about the business now, and we've got some commercial stuff uh, that's focused on Kubernetes. <laughs> well, I know Kote and I like way back, uh, you know, in the, somewhere in the feed of uh, software defined interviews, we, we talked about when the the CEO took over, and you know, it was clear that he must said like data center modernization like like i don't know a hundred different ways in this mm, article right. and i think when you read when you look at what they're doing and to his credit right i mean he's an sap guy he said he was going to come in and you know help companies essentially like just take away half your vmware investment like coach said and to his credit i guess he he actually said what he was going to do then he did what he's going to say or he did what he yeah. said right so um and it's clear that like when you read read it and, I, and uh, your old friend uh, Mr. James Governor, Redmond, I mean, he's he sort of just was kind of openly speculating that, you know, that they'll be bought by Microsoft. I think the CEO was of Docker was even quoted saying that, you know, they see them as a strategic partner. They get like 50 percent of the leads or something like that from Microsoft. So really, huh. so it, it makes sense. Like if you say the strategy is going to be we're going to help people modernize their their data center by moving things off VMware into some type of Docker container. And we're going to build, you know, they, they were at least speculating there that they're going to have like a hundred million dollar or higher run rate sometime next year. And you're in, and you're kind of setting that up to like be bought by Microsoft. That makes sense. Like that to me makes total business sense. That vision may not be what everyone wants it to be like you know, right. kind of on the technical, you know, visionary side, but from a, this is how we're going to get all this money back. And especially when Microsoft just bought, right, we talked about GitHub last week, right? Or the last episode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it seems like Microsoft is the company willing to pay, like, quite quite a bit premiums for some of this business, right? Like, okay. we talked about the GitHub thing, and there may be a premium you would assign Docker and 
that all like to me that all makes good business sense even if it's yeah. a different technical vision than what people started out with yeah i mean i mean that you know microsoft is is proven that they're willing to buy the future right you know they they you know as workloads move, migrate off of the windows platform um you know microsoft is is investing heavily in what where things are moving you know and and where they're moving is the cloud and kubernetes and docker and you know it i i know you know they're they're reportedly were you know uh, acquisition conversations a long time ago that fell apart but you know now that the business is a little more straightforward um according to their ceo they're nearing triple digit millions um so you know apparently business is good and you could see why that would it would all work out, right? It's sort of like it probably did fall apart if you think about the different leadership and different vision. Now they had a whole year under a very corporate kind of structure with a much different mission. You could see where the M and A teams and you know, those meetings would be a lot easier now <laughs> than that would have uh, maybe would have been before. And I think, and to me, it does make you know the the thing I always hear from like the quote unquote legacy vendors, like all of them, right? Is like you you always hear. Um, you know, I think you can just like, you can just pick out the legacy vendors of your choice. But like when you talk to those people that are running the quote unquote strategy, what they almost always say is something like, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to like serve our current customers, right? We just got, we just want to keep that base. Right. And it's like, but they don't ever, like, it's never really followed with like something like, Hey, you know, you need to treat your current customers like, like, like they're new, right? You got to win them over. You can't just assume they're going to stay around. So right. if you did pair that with like a, this Docker thing, like that is to me, like this is a real tactic to execute that strategy. It's like, okay, we're Microsoft. We have a lot of legacy customers. We want to keep them happy. And you know what we're going to do is we're going to acquire Docker and we're going to show them that the future is with Microsoft and we're going to bring them onto this technology and help them move off VMware. Like that to me, like whether you like that strategy or not, you can debate mm. it. But like it's very clear, right? That's a way to make your current customers happy versus like we're just going to build you something new that you may not like, right? And that that just that part like always fails to like really resonate to me. So, so I, I don't know. So I think it's clear. It would not be surprising as six months or a year goes by, the Microsoft Docker that you know they finally come together and, and that relationship makes sense because it does make a lot of sense on both sides as you kind of play it out. So, yeah, so, so uh, then uh, I, I I have two two follow on items. One very brief. Just to ask a typical question of me, so so what is it exactly they sell? Just concisely, <laughs> um, Kubernetes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they they're selling the cluster of things around enterprise container management, right? So is is, it, is that their swarm uh, thing, or they don't do that anymore, or, well, or machines or something? Swarm, yeah, they're okay. still supporting. Swarm, but uh, Kubernetes is embedded in their um, uh, what do they call it? Um, containers as a service offering, mm. or you know, on which you know. So, so they're they're doing um, you know uh, containers uh, on prem with a orchestrator or two. Uh, you know, you can use it with Swarm. You can use it with um, Kubernetes. They've got uh, I think it's um, they've got a, a registry. Uh, tool uh-huh. they've got security scanning of the registries um they've got some but you know probably probably there's a whole lot of services in there mm-hmm. around lifting yeah. applications yeah. moving them on yeah so right? so so now um, so now now do they have an actual 
like Kubernetes distribution, or they just have these things that you could kind of like put into a Kubernetes distribution? They, they as far as I understand, they have a Kubernetes distribution that okay. they're shipping now. And then they then they have good uh, they yeah. have lots they, of the good missing components of a registry, and they got this thing and then support, and then yeah, yeah. and then and then I'm guessing if you're nearing, uh, you could probably estimate this, Matt. But if if you're nearing triple digits in revenue, there's probably ten million of that in partner revenue, whatever that means. But some sort of like money that comes in through partnerships or whatever nonsense that is. Be, I mean. You know, through the grapevine, I heard that, you know, one of their partners, uh, one of the three letter partners was shipping more of their software than they were. Mm, and, that's always nice. You know, yeah. And so they might well, have like I some mean, some embedded ISV type of thing going on where they're being the license to be used in another component or put into another uh, solution. I, or I something. mean, I, 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 they're just. They're, they're just on a no. They're on a price sheet for that vendor, and and the, you know the vendor sells a lot of. Oh right, okay, uh, it gets resold. Sells a lot of software is selling services. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so then my so then my second little thought train here is like, you know, typically when when I think of like uh, uh, acquisition stuff, right? I mean, the thing we're always going on about is like, you know, uh, don't know how to make money with your software, find someone to buy it from you. Right. And, and let them sort that out. Yeah. Uh, you know, give them the short end of the, the whatnot, which which that's you know, that's a strategy uh, going back to one of the favorite oh, titles yeah. I came up with. That's a way to get your eye bankers smoking L's in the hot tub it works every time. <laughs> but well, and, and that, that comes back to, to Brandon's comment that stuck with me about, you know, relieving startups of their strategy. Burden. Right. right. I mean, but that's, that's but, exactly what. It is. But but then but then maybe and I, I'd have to think about how to kind of how you would model this out, so to speak. Maybe there, there's a very credible, uh, genuine, uh, what would you call it? Not a business case. I'm forgetting my strategy talk now, but there's a, a case to be made of if we have a public cloud service and we buy this technology that is, it has whatever revenue, but it's not going to be $2 billion in revenue. The fact that we can be the one who adds yeah. this technology to the public cloud increases some sort of revenue for us or something. Yeah, that, that's where. Or it kind of breaks down. In 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 what aspect? I think. I mean, go on. Well, if, if you say Microsoft's a likely acquire, uh-huh. what does what does this what does this bring to the table that Microsoft doesn't have? Mm. Right, they've got a public cloud. You know, their Kubernetes is you know one of the three best, um, and they've got a lot of things that are overlapping with a potential acquisition. Can they do, you know, does this open up on-prem stuff? How well does it play with Azure Stack? Or does Azure Stack already have, you know, the uh, Azure Container Services built in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then that just kind of defeats the whole conversation. So then it's like, well, uh, if a lot of the revenue is still coming from services, does Microsoft do a lot of services and they think they can accelerate that amount of work? Mm-hmm. I don't think so, right? You know, the, you know they have a, a big partner ecosystem around it. So I... I you know, I think, I think the problem for for Docker is they've taken so much VC uh, that you know I think they're sitting around 250 million. And if you start to do you know the multiples for acquirers, it's like, do you think you can get three million, three billion back? Mm. So so then this is a classic open source problem I, of of if I can just use your stuff for free at full value, why would I acquire you? Right, right. Hmm. But I do. I think you come back to like 
I wouldn't underestimate sometimes the value of the brands and, There's the, a lot mind, of value and, and the mindset, right? So like, so to answer, I would kind of go a different way to like frame that question would be for the Microsoft sales reps and the Microsoft businesses out there. Like if Docker is specifically creating traction and creating um, a business around converting legacy applications, right? You know, mm -hmm. quote unquote data center modernization. Like if that business is successfully being created by them in the quote hundred million dollar run rate and they think it's going to grow um by like whatever you know some percentage over time that like that really is for legacy vendors right that to me more than anything more than even the public cloud stuff right is, is the bread and butter right everybody yeah. wants to like own that and keep that around because that's like it's almost like your your security blanket like i've got these guys this set of customers in the boat with me forever right mm, so right. so if that is happening i would say i would Put aside the technology kind of like rationalization that would have to go on you would just say we're going to buy this because it's going to keep when we send the microsoft sales reps out enterprise reps are going to put it on uh -huh. the slides they're going to feel great about it they're going to do do elas they're going to buy azure you know it's really that that kind of thing so uh and then of course to your point about the premium like that's the only way you could probably get to that $3 billion is it's more like hey kind of like the github thing we talked about but that's even more of a stretch in my opinion it's more like by well, Doing this, we, we really keep this enterprise set of customers happy hmm. and we give them the reason to like re-up with us, right? We kind of prove to them that we are the new thing. Um, but that's all predicated on this, like when you dive into the Docker modernization sales pipeline, that that's really happening. If it's just yeah. not, if it's just like kind of all side projects or pilot projects and a lot of services and people, then it's like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Then Docker really is stuck in that like curse of like way too much money. Right? Mm, all, right, just, all, all right, all right. So then, so then, so we can do a modified case here. By modified, I mean completely new. Uh, you're basically, basically I, I like your idea. This is something people underestimate in acquisitions is taking advantage of your, uh, your, your sales channel for your synergies. And so let me think. So Microsoft sells to all parts of the market from small to massive, sure. and they have a sales force that fits to that. And I think, I don't know, maybe y'all know, I guess the minimum price point for Docker is zero. If, if you just want to like, I forget the names of everything. If you want to use Moby or something, but you can, you can basically get, you can quote unquote do Docker uh, and not pay anything. So it's free. So I would imagine that it goes from that floor, right? Like maybe the next amount you can pay is 500, then you can pay 5,000, then maybe you're up to 50,000. And then, you know, if you really uh, want to do, but yeah, I mean, there's sort of what, like, what would you, well, like, like, what's the, the lowest price to become a Docker customer that makes sense? It's probably like 20,000. Okay. No, when, that's, that's fair. When you, when you start looking at, at, at the cost of acquiring customers and supporting them, yeah, like, yeah, you know, Docker is probably happy to just give it away at the bottom end, so they don't have to. You yeah, know, yeah. All right, so so then so then you got you have your Microsoft Salesforce that sells to all segments of the market, right? From a two from a one person yeah. shop to a uh, five hundred thousand person shop, <laughs> yeah. and and in theory, if with, with if Docker has like a twenty thousand dollar entry price, you could have all if you comp them correctly and everything, you could have all these salespeople selling it essentially, right? And uh, <laughs> I don't know if you or the listeners have encountered this, but pretty much anyone you talk to, they're like, I like Docker. Can I buy some? Like, and, and, you know, they modify what they say, but they sort of want the, uh, they, they want something there. And hence the, the, the interest in Kubernetes and all this stuff. But, uh, yeah. And so if you had, if you had the Salesforce out there selling that for you, that, that might be interesting to kind of like multiply the, uh, the total, like, um, I don't know, 
people out there who could actually sell you this thing versus what they had. And and the whole point of acquiring them would be like, you're not going to put that much effort into selling something you don't own. That that would be ridiculous. So you right. uh, need some product there. But right. I don't know. That's pretty far-fetched. Like if I was like, it's depending on like your uh, your existing sales force for your synergies is like, uh, whew, that's that's uh, that's dicey. That, that's a difficult proposition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, but you do other... have you have this other question though that says out there though, if you're Microsoft and clearly they did they answered this a little bit with GitHub. It's like they do throw off this a tremendous amount of cash, right? And it's like, well, like what are, you know? And they if they want to, if we again say Amazon's like well ahead, right, in the cloud, I don't think anyone would debate that. And it's like, well, Microsoft's maybe so, solid second, third, you know, depending on how you want to figure that out. And it's like, does you know? It, is this like a good, if you think about like, if you just kind of put aside, it's all fake money, right? It's like, it's not real money. It's like kind of like stock market money. It's like, well, is it such a bad bet? Like if we buy this, does it, it has the potential to help vault us forward. If we, we don't, mm. like, what are we going to do? Are we just going to keep our heads down and make Azure better? Um, is that enough? You know what I mean? It just, it's just kind of running in place enough. Or do you start to pick up some of these things? It's like, yeah, no, we really think this gives us like, even if it's 10%, right? If, if it's 10% or 30% or 40% chance that it like really vaults you forward. I mean, right. it's a reasonable bet, right? It's a reasonable bet. If you're kind of sitting there in second or third position, you feel like you're way behind. So, so I guess, I guess in that, in that way of a thinking, the, the assumption that what I think would, would need to prove true was that, uh, would be technologically, it would make sense if we own Docker, it may not make monetary sense to pay for it, but like if we owned it, it would be great. And then if there's the if there's as you say the uh, the theory right. that like well it's not that it's not money it's just that in the relative scheme of things it's like the small amount of money that's not going to be a big deal so it's this funny money as you say so therefore we should acquire this thing that will make it doesn't really have a very strong spreadsheet behind it but it will make the overall offering better which right. is a little bit of what what I was alluding to but a little more uh, loose loosey goosey on it and probably you also got to look at what's the risk of a, a, a competition acquiring this? And does that change the equation, right? So if, you know, if, if you look at potential acquirers, you know, if, if Amazon doesn't typically buy things, but if Amazon buys it, does that, you know, that probably hurts Microsoft. But if somebody like Red Hat or Cisco or Oracle, you know, it probably doesn't slow them down. Right? Mm -hmm. um, um, so that's, so that's a really interesting point because it's really only Amazon, like only Amazon probably hurts them. Everybody else, I would think it's kind of like a non-event. Yeah. Maybe right? Google, so, you know. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, there's, I mean, that's kind of an interesting, if we just think about the big brands, right. Kubernetes Docker, it's like, I think Google's so aligned with Kubernetes and yeah. I don't know, I don't know if they get much new, right. It's like they've, cause there it feels like the technology overlap. I don't know. It feels even like worse there. It's, maybe that's not, I don't know. Maybe that's just like an emotional reaction to it, but like it just feels even more confusing there. Whereas the Microsoft thing, I kind of feel like, oh, this guy worked at SAP and he's building uh, yeah, a modernization yeah, business. And yeah, and, yeah I mean, like VMware would make sense. I, I think you're right. And in fact, that fact that VMware, what did they announce? VMware, Kubernetes, VKS yeah, this yeah. week? Everybody's VKE, sorry. Yeah. Which is like the most confusing thing. I don't know. I tried to read it. And I was like, but like, don't, it's like, you, aren't you already doing this? Like, why would you buy this? Or why would you do this? Yeah. But that's a whole, I guess, a whole nother subject. But yeah, that would make sense. Like, 
instead of launching VKE, maybe buying Docker would have made like a lot more. It would have definitely been a lot more disruptive. It would have been like we're going to own this virtualization market, container market, no matter what, right? Like right. we're it's like that's kind of interesting because it is like an existential crisis for them. It's like no, this is what we've made our money on forever, and data center modernization will be what we do, and we will overpay no matter what because if we don't have this, then we don't exist. So that that right. kind of is an interesting question. Mm. Yeah. That, I mean, that's you know, that's, that's, uh, that's somewhat akin to like I mean I guess I, I guess uh, Oracle came about this through a uh, probably accident but you know they also own my MySQL which is always an odd conundrum to think about but you know it's a uh, yeah yeah I, I mean it, it it is like I mean all those those uh, the uh, what do you call that buying it so someone else doesn't buy it <laughs> like like it does introduce the interesting notion of like well why would it be valuable for those other people to have it and and then why why wouldn't you in our theoretic world microsoft also have that value from it right it's it's kind of a i i always found when i was thinking about acquisitions that fear of someone else buying it was would also point out some kind of short-sightedness about you also needing to buy it right like you know whether it's uh vmware or cisco or all these other people like or let's let's go with amazon right so amazon buys docker right and like but that's kind of the same as like Azure having Docker, like like the same reasons that yeah. that we were going over. That if but Azure had Docker, Microsoft. doesn't like 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 create a big thing. Like, what would Amazon do with it or not do with it that would make it better? Like, I never I I'm never really into the like they're gonna kill the thing, which people always like that. That's a good no. ha- hacker news sort of uh, story to go over. But but if something like Docker would be valuable enough to Amazon that Microsoft would or anyone would be freaked out about them buying it then that would imply that like it would be valuable for them to buy for the same reason or, or I don't know maybe there's some I, I some mean I think you're right missing. but there is like a I think there's a a core competency kind of question inside of all of that it's like mm. so let's look like to like a parallel um different market would be kind of like let's look use Facebook right so you know Facebook is sort of like dominates the social network right we know and it's like but that's where all the money comes from so like when they buy Instagram or WhatsApp and they're willing to overpay for it. It's like they know if somebody else gets going in this area, like it could threaten everything about their business, right? They have no other thing to go to. Like Google has search, right? Or, you know, Microsoft has its traditional stuff. So there's kind of this idea, I think, that does sit out there that, and I think Oracle, and I think you're right, it kind of happened by accident, but it didn't make sense. It's like, because there's always the, you know, the other uh, parallel universe where like, well, maybe MySQL does become this massive database. Right. But the fact that like it did, you know, what, you know, who knows what's it worth to, to Oracle that they just took that out like right away. And it just yes. wasn't an issue. Right. Cause even if they were wrong, the fact that, that they still have that Oracle database revenue paying off and they're going to look at that differently than somebody else who's not in that business at all. And I think maybe a better example, very old, now would just be like the old yahoo google thing like yahoo owned search right for so long and it was like yeah well google you can like it even had some kind of deal right and it was like well and you look back on that and it's like no no if someone dominates search even Mm. if even if we already do it you know it could like in in the end end that company and in case of yahoo that's what happens so so i do think there's just like defensive buys yeah, that are yeah. okay if you're just trying to protect your ground in a, in a market. Yeah, and, and and I guess I guess going to uh, uh, what do you call it, Earth Two thinking, where like Clinton won over an Earth Two there. Like there's an Earth Two where also IBM <laughs> ended up buying Sun. Aww. Like like instead of Oracle, IBM bought Sun, right? And and then you think like, 
well, what could have IBM done with MySQL? Like they probably could have pretty successfully tried to kill Oracle with it, right? If they were like, ah, we got all the IBM smart people working on this. So like it works. And, uh, and also like tied to Watson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, I don't know which earth to, maybe that's earth two C, but anyways, uh, and, and, and not only that, like at, at the time in the mid two thousands, IBM would have had the, the revenue that they could have attached it to. I mean, they're probably still on hardware and on other like large pieces of software and, I don't know how much DB2 stuff money that they made, but it would be they th- that w- I think maybe that would be a good scenario where it would be more it would be very valuable for IBM to have that asset in order to uh, try to damage Oracle. But if Oracle owned that asset, it would kind of just like neutralize it, or or they could try to do something with it. But IBM would have the footprint where they could start to say, just like they did with Linux, they could say, "Hey, how about you run SAP on top of MySQL?" And then that would right. that would be bonkers if uh, yeah. you know if if something like that happened. But but then but then that's that's because their their businesses would have been much different, right? Like Oracle wouldn't have had hardware, IBM would have had hardware and um, a broader focus. But then so then that goes back to the thing of like, but Amazon, AWS, and Azure are like, I mean, I'll probably get laughed at for saying this, but they're pretty much the same thing, right? <laughs> like like they like they they sort of like it just different shit you type into the terminal and different names for things. But it's sort of like if either of them have this asset, it's the same thing. It's not going to give yeah. either one of them a technological advantage over the yeah. other necessarily. No, I think you're, I, I think you're right there. And so, yeah, kind of going back to this conversation, I think this is where it comes back to like the VMware question, right? It's like yeah. VMware has made its, its name on really this virtualization data center monetization. So for them, the fact to, to your Oracle question, it's like to own it and just to prevent anyone else from getting a huge lead in their market or another, mm. not even a lead, I should say, just another entry point into their market. So if they want that would like, and again, this is back to what Jeffrey Moore, whatever, Horizon 1, 2, or 3, like on the Horizon 1 chart, we would put, hey, if we really want to solidify this business, we got to protect, right, some way. And maybe buying Docker helps you there. And then Horizon 2 and Horizon 3 are – yeah. We got to somehow like figure out how to, how to not be in this position next time, right? Easier said than done. But uh, so, but yeah, but definitely, I think if, if 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 Microsoft were to buy it, I I think you would say the biggest loser would be VMware, right? And then for everybody else, Amazon and the rest of the cloud vendors is probably kind of a neutral kind of thing to them. Mm. That'd be my guess. So so we so we could basically we we could basically say if you sell if you sell operating systems. Or public or IaaS, you would like to buy this thing. Like it would be advantageous for you if you if you sell yeah. one of those two things. And then if you're like Microsoft and you sell both of those things, it's what uh, it's what they used to call a double bagger. You, you get you get uh, you get to put a you get to put a star two in that that Excel spreadsheet cell. And 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 then one of the or in some of the the comments from from uh, from Docker, the CEO said, you know, we really see Red Hat. That is one of our primary competitors, and Red Hat was like, "Well, we, we don't see it the same way." But, yeah, you know, I'm sure they do. Right? Yeah, yeah. They were like, "I don't know the the connection between uh, over here on the East Coast over to the bit to to Seattle to the Bay Area. It's very very spotty. I didn't hear that. What was that? Uh, someone cut the cable. <laughs> yeah. Right. I I I, I love the uh, I love the uh, what would you call that the uh, the 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 trash talk. Uh, Pingback thing of like I I don't even know who that is. How do you spell that? Never heard of him. 
<laughs> I, I thought he worked at SAP. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. But well, so uh, I, we're, we're almost out of time here, but uh, or, or more or less. But also, uh, there's a new version of Kubernetes out, right? You got the the one dot eleven. Looks like there's a lot of fun stuff in there. The kids are really gonna love it. It's good stuff. <laughs> and uh yeah as mentioned there there's a whole bunch of uh, uh <coughs> kubernetes things out there there's there's one about every week i was i uh, i caught a little bit of of our friend bridget's uh talk here at devops days amsterdam about kubernetes and uh i i have to admit i missed like the first eight minutes or something but there was a good there was a good uh she had the uh uh the light version of your favorite diagram, Brandon. I think you like the CNCF everything diagram, uh, if I remember right. I do. And, and I she, do. I think she only had the Kubernetes related uh, logo diagram, which was oh, okay. a lot easier to handle. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was yeah. a good diagram of what's going on there. But it is, uh, man, there's a lot going on in that space. It's an endless, uh, someone, someone should start a, uh, some sort of podcast where they actually cover that and uh talk about it and know what they're doing <laughs> that's right yeah i'm gonna go have to listen to the uh the exactly the back catalog of uh of uh the uh what is it the open ctl podcast i'll finally know what's going on here yeah 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 uh, yes but as one one headline said it's a full-time job keeping up with kubernetes so so that's exciting uh, so so does this mean that there's going to be a lot of uh what 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 do you see out there in in uh, in chef land you're out there matt ray are people do they upgrade yeah. their kubernetes right away they just the newer version comes out they just automatically upgrade it or, or are we getting to some sort of open stack area where people are going to be running like i'm still running alamo or something like that i've forgotten all the names but <laughs> uh, alamo was was the first one. Oh yeah um from from what i see it's a lot of public cloud consumption and mm. a lot of open shift Right, that's yeah. the two that I primarily see. Um, but uh, you know, that's that's my filter of being over here in uh, uh, Asia Pacific. So you know, things are different. Um, a lot of it is is primarily tied to you know larger larger vendors. So I know on on your uh, cloud native computing um, you know chart of of all the hundreds of, of logos, a lot of those logos don't even show up over here uh, mm. because you know. This isn't this isn't the the first market you go into because it's the craziest market. Um, so so yeah, mostly it's you know your uh, EKS, AKS, GKE, and Red Hat has a you know sizable selling force out here. Docker has some traction, uh, but you know kind of kind of like uh, some some other companies, they work, work through partners. You know, which is how things move move more through partners in APAC. So so is is the current under, to be slightly related here, is the current understanding of uh, software business reality, does it still stand when it, when it comes to Red Hat, which is always a fascinating company, that, that somehow they figured out how to sell support contracts for open source? Like, is that still just like, that's the thing? And, and, and I ask that. I ask that. I mean, another one of my dumb questions in the yeah. sense of, of like, uh, it seems like there are many people who would not like to spend a lot of money on software and, mm -hmm. and like somehow like red hat still gets involved in that from an operating system and everything else perspective. And they have like this great model of like, it's a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Is is it a dichotomy? No, that's, that's too, it's, it's like this, it's like this weird 
Janice face sounds like Two Face, and I don't mean that. But like on the one hand, it's totally free, and on the other free, it's totally not free. And it's sort of like this weird situation if you're if you're a uh, what would you call it a value buyer, which means you're cheap as hell, and uh, yeah. like man, that's that's so like that kind of proposition from selling any kind of product is almost hard to keep in your head. And if you somehow achieve that, it's like magic that that you have that kind of thing. But it's so hard to wrap your head around. So that's my question. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, Red Hat obviously. <laughs> this is a long question um and you know i thought we were wrapping up but uh um you know red hat made the smart play a long time ago by going after the solaris and aix uh workloads and yeah. locking in sorts of shops that run that stuff and because rel is ubiquitous in those you know companies you know they're not they're not going to switch off of rel to windows mm. because that's a harder port there there's nowhere to go from rel i mean you can you can say oh they could go to susa or ah, OEM yeah, or yeah. canonical but, but you know probably not you know because red hat's been doing the the you know the smart boring thing of giving people a really stable platform and you know fixing all the weird linux bugs for a long time and <clears throat> you know i don't see uh, can, I don't see Ubuntu much in, in this the markets uh, over here, right? Because usually, um, usually the custom, you know the shops are Rel or CentOS, and you know that's the the competition for Red Hat is probably CentOS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, that, well, that that raises two other two other points, which maybe we can discuss at another time. Is uh, it is often said one of the great phrases of twenty uh, first century rhetoric, rhetoric. It is often said that no one could duplicate the Red Hat business. And uh, maybe answering why that is would answer whatever my original question was, right? Because so, for example, uh, what with the popularity of Docker, why can't they rep re replicate the, the Red Hat business? And there's also maybe all sorts of interesting reasons, but it's just sort of like, uh, why can't we be really good at this totally free open source technology? And if we compile it for you and you run it, uh, you can pay us a support fee and uh, yeah. support you on it. Like, like, why is it the case that Red Hat can do that, but not every other open source company that's tried to do it? <laughs> right? Like, and and then because uh, because because I was gonna say because because Red Hat's there trying to block anyone coming after that model. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so then maybe so that's that would be a whole third thing of like how does that work? Because that's fascinating. But but then but then the second one, the second point, and then we can go to our uh, shameless self promotion and recommendations. But the other point would be like like what you're describing there is interesting. It's almost and this is not accurate, but it's almost that like Rel has no competitors. Like there's no like as you were saying, right. where else are you going to go? <laughs> and so that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that you can do this paradoxical, it's free and it's also not free sort of thing, but it gives you a lot of weird latitude to do stuff that normally you, you couldn't do in uh, in your, I don't know, your strategy. Anyhow, Red Hat, always a mystery. But it would, I, I think at this point <laughs> in history, it'd be good to have a thorough write-up of why no one can replicate the Red Hat thing because we kind of just like 
we kind of just throw that out there in the same way that like a, a Ptolemaic person just throws out like, well, surely the earth is in the center of the universe. I mean, are we even still talking about this? But they, uh, there's never, I haven't really ever seen an extensive proof of that uh, out there, except maybe the trail of failures that have come since then. But <laughs> Well, I do well, think maybe uh, maybe Ben Thompson or I don't know, maybe it's a long register article. I think you, mm. could, you draw some parallels to, uh, you know, like, because I think part of the issue when you think about this is like, you have to remember, like, the world exists knowing about Red Hat. So go back in time and think about IBM, originally uh-huh. licensed, had a better licensing model than Red Hat. It was like every time you upgrade your software, MIPS, you know, you need to pay more money, right? And so once that got entrenched, people understood it and they couldn't get out of it. But they kind of decided this will never happen again, right? And yeah. then there was – and that moved to traditional licensing, which then we had the maintenance thing that there's a whole, like, why uh, – we had an article – and there you can read about why software companies, whatever, get old or something. And it's like, but now people have gotten away from latent, late uh, licensing and maintenance and they've gone to the SaaS, right? Because I think, you know, customers get smarter over time. They're like, yeah. I don't like this model. I'm not going to tolerate it. If anyone wants to do this again, I'm going to find other ways to stay out of it. But once you're entrenched, you know, you're not going to go back. Like no one's incented to go back and fight this fight. So hmm. it would be an interesting thing to kind of like write it all up and kind of look what, like the evolution of licensing models and like why they work, how they stay for so long, and why they can't be replicated would be, you know what, it'd be a great register article. I look forward to reading it. Okay? <laughs> no, no, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's Cote's follow-up book to his History of Sun. Right? That's right. Because <laughs> Sun, the bestseller to the bestseller, yeah. what happened yeah, to Sun? Sun yeah. could have done it with Open Solaris, right? There was a window where that could have been the thing. Oh, but... absolutely. I think there was. You know, That's another one of the many counterfactuals we've gone over. Like, imagine yeah. embracing uh, Open Solaris. Oh, embraces open source immediately you probably don't ever have a red hat right yeah university maybe in one of these universes i got rich but not this one yeah yeah and 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 then i guess my my last last follow-up to a follow-up point here is maybe part of the core of the question is uh how much value is there in having one throat to choke right like because it's this whole support thing right so for as an example uh you know as mentioned earlier, people don't like spending money on things. So after a while, they're like, I don't want to pay Red Hat this money. Like no one's ever like, ah, I sure am happy I spent all that money on software again this year. Let's go get some drinks, right? They they do it because there's a reason to do it, not because they want to. And so, yeah, yeah. so you know, every, every time a, a support contract comes up, you would like to not pay that again. But for some reason, and I'm not saying that in a facetious, sarcastic way, people decide to not only keep paying money to Red Hat, but to pay more money to them and buy more stuff. And so maybe that's a part of it too, is like, what what value is that? Not that there is no value, but how do you value that? And, and how do you uh, attach to that? Because then that would tell you like why that pricing exists. And then it also answers another question of like, if you have this kind of uh, cul-de-sac technology, as Matt Ray was to put Matt Ray's thing into a metaphor, like you go to the cul-de-sac and there's nowhere else to go. Uh, and so like, <laughs> like, like that, that might also imply call it the mainframe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like if support was not valuable, then you could easily leave because you would just keep using the, the open source thing and not pay for support. Right. But there is some value in living in the cul-de-sac and still paying your HOA fee, but it's, it's very odd. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. well, there's somebody, there's, you know, the final, you know, just the, just the dovetail on that. It's like, there is something kind of like power of defaults kind of sitting inside mm-hmm. of all of that. Like once you 
to like we could all we don't want to pay our cable bills we don't want to pay our, our you know like how often do you switch your carrier how often do you switch your cable you know what i mean there's a point where it's just like it's like you just live with it right yeah. maintenance contract comes up it's in the budget you know i don't know you may not have gotten anything this year but it's sort of just right 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 and and, 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 and no and, right? and and then and then the 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 confounding thing about all this and why you know i go on and on about it is like the 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 key confusion point is that it's open source free software that that people pay for <laughs> and so like like it's not and it's it's not that like the technology is better than the alternatives it's that the relationship with red hat is better than the alternatives mm-hmm. or something which which is which is fine but that's like i don't know it's still i'm used i'm used to like the technology is good so you pay for that because you couldn't get it otherwise and also the relationship you have is good Anyways, there, there well, you go. Yeah, they, they, the, the, me, me, and maybe, maybe finally I can talk to Matt Assay and we can have a point counterpoint. But it'll really just end up with us having the same point because I feel like he could go on and on about Red Hat and uh, how that works. Going on decades now. We'll, we'll have it. We'll have it. Uh, we'll have it moderated by James Governor, and it'll be it'll be four hours of well-informed, incomprehensible bullshit that's entertaining for everyone. It'll be great. Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, if you're into yeah. comprehensible bullshit, uh, coming up in a few weeks, July 12th and 13th, over in Minneapolis, there's DevOps Days Minneapolis. Now, as mentioned, I was just talking with Bridget earlier today, and I assure you that she and her team are putting a lot of care into how everything is, is done and arranged there. There was much discussion of where the coffee will be located, the quality of the coffee, logistics. It's going to be a great conference. And Probably, I'm guessing the content will be good, good as uh, good as well. I won't be able to be there, unfortunately, because I'm trying not to travel in July. I got to pack up my house, sell things. I might have to trim some vegetation back from my walls and uh, other things like that. Uh, but you know, I I, I got to move, so I'm not going to be able to make it. Yeah. Pivotal will be your sponsoring there, but hey, if you want to go, dear listeners, it's uh it's it's affordable as always. But you can use the code SDT. That's, that's the initials for the name of this podcast. What I just said there is not part of the code, so let me start over again. You can use the code SDT2018 and get 20% off your tickets. You should go check it out. It'll be great. It's uh, a good show yeah. as always. So and then, speaking of things that are great. Uh-huh. <laughs> how about you tell, uh, what's happening the day before in Austin, Texas? How about you tell, uh, you tell people, uh, Brandon? Yes, we are, we're finally going to have... Uh, a chance to get together in person for all of our loyal software defined talk listeners. So it's going to be here in Austin, Texas. It's going to be on July 11th at 5:30. It's going to be on Docs on 38th. So we thought that's a good compromise between it's not downtown, but it's it's pretty close and there's good parking and we'll have some beers and stuff like that. So uh, you know people are probably really concerned about what we're going to do, and I'm gonna make it very easy. We're just going to show up, eat and drink together. Very very simple, and you're going to get a chance. To not only meet me and, of course, uh, Cote, but Matt Ray will be making an appearance in Austin, Texas on July 11th. A rare appearance. I don't know. He's always here for a short stint. So you can see all three of us together. It would be great to meet everybody in person. So if you're interested, just go to the show notes. Click on the Eventbrite. You can register so we have a sense of who's coming. And uh, it will be a really fun time. It will be good to meet people either we already know, see them in person because it's always great, or meet some new people. So July 11th, 5:30, Austin, Texas. Come have a beer with us. And and just to clarify, it's not Matt Ray's not going to be on one of those Ed, Edward Snowden like robots that's around on wheels. No. It's actually going to no, be the the, it's the, the, the real sack. Matt Ray. Yeah, that's right. The, the real, real Matt, Matt Ray. Ray. 
And 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 also, I've heard that we've uh, we had a, a monumental moment. We sold a T-shirt recently, so so good job, T-shirt buyer. We still have lots of T-shirts. You can you can get, uh, and there's even a discount you can get uh, if if you use. Uh, you just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com. There's T-shirts you can go there, and uh, but look and, uh, in the show the discount notes. Discount code is SDTFSG, twenty percent off. Buy some T-shirts. Yeah, great. they're they're very handsome. They're good T-shirts that uh, that Brandon put together. Funny. That's right. That's right. And of course, uh, in case you forgot from last time, September 24th and 27th is Spring One Platform in uh, the D.C. area, technically in Maryland. And uh, it'll be a great conference about all of this kind of stuff. Plus Spring, actual coding uh, in Java stuff, but also infrastructure and uh, management, lots of digital transformation talk. And there's a code you can use to get $200 off in the show notes if you're interested in registering for that. So uh, I think that clears the decks of our self-promotion. If you want stickers, I've given out, I think, three here at DevOps Days Amsterdam. But you can email us at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and uh, Brandon will mail you one. I think I ran into someone, and they said they told, they, he said that he was going to send his mailing address because it was a country we probably hadn't sent to before. So maybe we'll have to start making a map like uh, you do in school of where we sent them. We'll take over the world. The, the scratch out maps. Mm-hmm. Man, I, w- I wish I wish I remember where it was uh, where it was too, but I'll have to figure that out. Anyhow, what do you have to recommend this week, Matt? Uh, so I just finished reading a book uh, called The Three Body Problem. It's mm. uh, science fiction uh, by um, a Chinese author. I not know how to pronounce the name. I'll say Sixin Liu, and uh, it's it was really good. A uh, bit of the hard science, which I know is. Cote's favorite. Love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got into, you know, the physics of, of N dimensions and stuff like that. But mm. uh, uh, really good. You know, and uh, uh, being Chinese, it had um, a lot of uh, ties into, like, the culture, uh, the uh, cultural revolution and things that I wasn't really familiar with. So um, it was good. I uh, highly recommend it. It won a bunch of awards for science fiction. So, uh, you know, you've probably, if, you, if you're into science fiction, you've probably heard about it. Uh, you should listen. You should read it. How about yourself, Brandon? Uh, a couple of things here. One, I want to thank three listeners, Daryl, Jordy, and Tim, uh, for helping me test an iPhone app that I built. So I really appreciate it. They volunteered in the Slack channel. So thank you very much. And thank Daryl specifically for uh, all the uh, feedback he gave me, which was fantastic. And, uh, and God willing, if I can get through the, uh, the iPhone police uh, and they approve it one day, I'll let everyone buy it if they want. Uh, so that, and then the other thing I was uh, on vacation this week or last week, and it was great. And uh, we we're in Mexico and we are, we use this Waboba water skipping ball, very simple uh, ball. You just throw it on the water, but it's very, cool because it like skips like like you're throwing rocks so it's uh quite fun to uh, stand in a pool and throw it around with your uh your son your daughter your friends your family so i'm going to recommend uh the water skipping ball and also give one more plug for the sticker so i saw a couple stickers uh off actually not on the laptop someone posted they put it on their base case for uh, as a musician so i think that's fantastic and i found the stickers are great for putting on your your yetis or your arctics so Mm. you have uh you know something around the office and you want to make sure you're i don't know what that means is that another 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 tumbler if you have a tumbler in your office i think you need a sticker because that way you can both advertise the show and uh you can know that that tumbler is yours so that's a great use of them so check all of that out and uh 
email me if you want a sticker as always. So thanks. Mm. How, 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 what, what was that show? It, it was, it was like some comedy skit show and they were, they intermersed, interspersed things with like, uh, there was this ad for Mexico and it would just say Mexico. Do you remember, do you remember that? Hmm. I, I, I feel, I feel like that was also, maybe this is a Mr. Show bit, but there was another show that was like, uh, kids on the beat, beat kids. And it was like kids doing new stuff. I think, I think our friend Chip knows what this is. Cause I'm pretty sure he's the one who sent it to me. I got to follow up it's with a, him. It sounds like Chip. That sounds like a recommendation. From him. Mexico. And no, I have no idea what you're talking about. No idea. No idea. Kids on the beat. Anyways. Uh, well this week, uh, my old friend Mason lives out in San Francisco there. He was just texting with me and he, uh, he brought to my attention that there was a, I wouldn't call it outcast, but there's, there's a, uh, there's a, there's an album out. Uh, from uh, which one is it? I get them mixed up. But from the one who does a lot more, one of the Outcast people. It's embarrassing. I don't remember his name. Big off the boy. Top. There you go. That one. He has a great. No, no. It's it's uh it's uh it's Big Boy, as it were. But he has he has a great interview with. Uh, if you ever listen to that Jesse Thorne show, there's a good interview with him on there, and it's great because at the end, Big Boy is like, "This is the best interview I've ever had." This was awesome, <laughs> which like that's not feedback you get from people you interview very much or one interviews very much. Anyhow, and it was a good interview, but he had a he had a new album out last year called Boomerverse. I hope I'm saying that right, but uh, it's fantastic. It's got all the things you would want on it, uh, and uh, it's a nice album. And also, if you like the other end of the spectrum, the new uh, Courtney Barnett album, also very good. A little depressing, but that's fine. Uh, so with that, this has been uh, Software Defined Talk. As always, you can find the show notes and all the exciting stuff we talked about, and some of them that we didn't, over at softwaredefinedtalk.com. This being uh, episode 139, if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 139, you'll go directly to it and not have to waste your time browsing. There's also a lovely Slack channel you can join, see what we are uh, might be talking about, talk with other Slack people. You know, You can beta test Brandon's iPhone apps, all sorts of great offers. You'll find no other place except the Slack channel. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye.